All right, if you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 6. How many of you have been in the Word this week? If you're not in the Word, get in the Word. The Word of God, you will never get to the bottom of it. it every time you go in, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Just when you think you got, got your hands around it, it just keeps growing. You know, just this morning, Jeff, this is just for you and me. Everyone else can tune out. Just this morning, the Lord showed me another scripture why cancer is not his will. Anybody battling cancer in here? Amen. You know anybody that's battling cancer? He showed me just a simple verse in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy. He showed me, he said that these guys, I think it was Hymenius and another Alexander, maybe two guys, he said they were speaking things that they should not speak. Get this. He said their word will eat like a cancer. Now what does that tell you? Logic, logically. What does that tell you? Think my sermon, just throwing it in there. Is cancer good or bad? Does God like cancer? If their word eats like a cancer, then can't, God don't like cancer. Because they said their word was poisonous. And it was going to eat like a cancer. So if cancer ever tries to light on your body, know that God hates cancer. He's against it. Amen? You don't even need another scripture. That's enough right there. Their word will eat like a cancer. That means cancer's bad. God ain't giving it to people. He's rebuking people that words are like cancer. Someone say amen. I just pulled that out of that. How do you like that? I said, Lord, that means you don't like cancer. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true. Cancer ever lights on your body, rebuke it. Don't let it stay. Tell it to go. I mean it. It's evil. Cancer's evil. Well, that's not my message. That was for Jeff and I. Flip over to Matthew chapter 6. I've been, anybody been reading in Leviticus lately? <laughs> that's always an exciting book to read, right? I was laughing because my brother's been reading through the Bible, and he was in Leviticus. It took him like two months to get through Leviticus. And it can be a slog, but I was amazed this time going through Leviticus how much was in there. It's an amazing book. It really is. And I've read it before where I just almost slept through it when I was reading it. But I'll tell you why. To a hungry man, every dry morsel is sweet. It just tastes. And Leviticus is so... What, what I have seen, and I've got to read this, and I'm going to. What I've seen in the Old Testament. You know that Old Testament was put there by God. Now, we're not under the law. There's 600 and some laws. We're not under the law for righteousness. Do you know that? We're not. We're saved by grace through faith. And, and by the way, Gentiles were never under the law. Never. We could always eat bacon, right? Gentile men never had to be circumcised. Gentiles were never under the law, and they're not under the law now. That's settled in Acts chapter 15. But God laid out a righteousness in the law. Did you know that? Bible talks about the righteousness of the law. If you could obey the law, every bit of it, and not break it, it would be your righteousness. What's the problem? Was the problem that the law wasn't spiritual? Was that the problem? What was the problem? Us. Men are broken. 
So knowing that, when you read in the Old Testament, and I can't go there today, but, but in, in Acts, or Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God says that I've chosen the people of Israel, okay, and they are going to be a kingdom of priests unto me. They're going to be a kingdom. He said, these are my people, and I'm separating my people, and I'm going to teach my people how to walk in my kingdom. Do you know in the Old Testament they walked in a kingdom? Well, they had kings. Kings have kingdoms. In fact, David was a king. God appointed David as a king. Jesus came through the line of David. But that was the beginning of the kingdom of God. It was an earthly thing, but there were spiritual laws. There were physical laws. And God was teaching the children of Israel. He said, if you walk in these things, you will be blessed. Didn't he, didn't he teach them that? He says, I have chosen you out of the world... You are my people. And so because the Holy Spirit was not in them, they were not born again, he was trying to show them how to live. There's nothing wrong with the law, okay? We're not under it. The Levitical law has been fulfilled, right? The sacramental laws have all been fulfilled. Is that right? Even the ceremonial laws, they've been fulfilled. The eating laws, they've all been fulfilled. But the Gentiles have always been under and always will be under God's moral law. How many knew that? We're, we're, we're accountable for what we do, okay, before God. Now, there's a higher sense when you become a Christian, you're actually put under the law of faith. It's, it's different. But I'm talking about the whole world out there is accountable for what they do. You know why Abraham, before the law was ever given... Someone tried to sleep with his wife, and it was a sin. It was adultery. And God said, if you touch that woman, you're a dead man. How many thinks God likes adultery? That was before Moses. You touch that woman, you're a dead man. He said, because, you know what? You walk close with God. You walk close with God, and someone's going to touch your wife. God will come to them in a dream and say, you touch her, you're a dead man. You don't touch that man's wife. You can walk with God like Abraham did. Abraham was a friend of God. They had a covenant together. When you mess with Abraham, you were messing with God. In fact, the children of Abraham, God said, when you mess with my kids, they're the apple of my eye, you're messing with me. There was one part in the Old Testament when God, Israel was fighting with another nation that God had sent them to, to destroy and overcome and Israel was starting to lose the battle, and God started throwing hail balls out of heaven at the other people. God chose a side. Did you know that? He chose a side. He chose his people. He sanctified them, set them apart, and called them, and said, I'm for these people. Now, as long as they obeyed God and did what God said and followed his covenant, they were unstoppable. They killed lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. They killed giants. They ran through troops. God was clearly for them. There's a lot to that. In the land of Canaan, there were giants. There actually was a corrupted DNA line. I don't have time to get into it today. There was a corrupted DNA line. The DNA and the line of man was corrupted by uh, Nephilim and the Rephaim. They were corrupted, and God was saying, clean them out, okay? They corrupted the DNA. When Moses came and the earth was destroyed... It was a corrupted DNA line. God had to bring Jesus into this world because God could not bring Jesus into this world. Not one of you could die and go to heaven. 
even the best kept, even Abraham, even Moses, all these people, they didn't go to heaven when they died. Who knows that? They were in Abraham's bosom. They were waiting because I'm teaching on righteousness today. They were not righteous before God. Even Daniel had to wait in Abraham's bosom. He did righteousness. He obeyed God, but he wasn't righteous before God. If you broke that law one time, you broke the whole thing. Someone say amen. And this is what I marvel. The law is a beautiful thing. How many have ever read the law and just poured over and loved it? Just loved it. When your heart is regenerated, <laughs> Chrissy, me and Chrissy, when your heart's regenerated, you read the law of God, it's exciting. When I first learned about tithing, I was excited about it. That was, excited me. You mean God will be involved in my finances? When you don't love the law of God, everything in it's repugnant to you. If you read in the Bible and things in there are repugnant to you, you might as well get regenerated. Oh, I don't mean to be hard. You need to get saved. David poured over the law of God and wept. He said, Lord, they're breaking your law. And he wept over it, cried about it. He said, Lord, they're breaking your law. The law of God's beautiful. And what I've seen, and this is so, I've, when I've read through the book of Matthew, I see it more and more and more every time I read in the law. When Jesus came in the book of Matthew, what Jesus is doing is he is expounding the heart of the law and the righteousness of the law. He's throwing it out there. I was reading today or yesterday in Leviticus, you know, and as I, I'm going to read this scripture, Jesus in Matthew 6 was responding to the, uh, the word of God in Leviticus chapter 25. He was explaining and expounding on Leviticus 25 in Matthew chapter 6. The more you read the law, the more you read the Old Testament, the more you'll see that Jesus was an Old Testament prophet and he was revealing God's righteousness. But he wasn't revealing so much the letter of the law as what was in the heart of the law. How many times in the Sermon on the Mount did Jesus say, you have heard it said, right? But I say unto you. Anybody ever read that language? How many times did he say that? Very often. Do you know Jesus never lessened one of the moral commandments? You know that? He never lowered it. Did you know that? Let me give you an example. You have heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, who thinks you're supposed to commit adultery? Jesus said, but I say unto you, don't even look at a woman with lust in your eye. Is that a higher standard or lower? If you do, you've broken God's law. Just, well, Jesus was getting at the heart of the matter, which was the human heart. It's the human heart. Saying, it's not even all these physical things you're doing. I'm trying to show you your problem is in your heart. Now, Christians, good news. If you're born again, you've got the heart of God. God's given you a new heart. Amen. He's given you a new spirit. Amen. And he's writing his law according to Hebrews 8, chapter 8 and chapter 10. He's writing his law where? That's his law of love. That's the kingdom law. I'll go into it in a minute. So Jesus is really getting at, he said, hey, you've heard it said, you know, don't steal, right? You, you, that you shouldn't steal. Well, in the writings of God, God says that you can't even be greedy. You can't even covet what someone else has, right? 
You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If they take your eye, you get an eye back. If they take your tooth, you get a tooth back. He said, but I say unto you, right, forgive. Forgive when someone does wrong to you. Forgive them. Don't hold against them. Return. Why? Because there is a higher righteousness in God, and it really comes from the law of love, God's love law. There's a higher law in the spirit than there ever could be in the natural. If they obeyed that natural law, God promised them blessings. How much more, if we walk in the spirit, is God going to pour out on us? And it really is as simple as, really is, we, we hear the thundering of the law, don't commit adultery, and yet as a Christian, that's the last thing that you want to do, isn't it? As a true believer in God, don't steal. As a Christian, the last thing you want to do is steal from somebody, right? Don't you want to give as a Christian? Maybe you don't have the means to do it, but when someone has a need, if you don't have the means, you still want to help people, amen? God's done something higher. So now when I, when I read Jesus, especially in Matthew, I can just see that this righteousness and what Jesus is teaching the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, he's saying, you guys are so far off. Not only don't you obey the letter of the law, <clears throat> you don't obey the heart of the law. So let's read there. Uh, let's, start <clears throat> let's start with verse 24. I'm going to read through the end of the chapter. Help me, Jesus. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Someone say amen. amen. Is it wrong to make money? No, absolutely not. Good to be blessed and prosperous. I got a message on that coming. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life. What's he saying? Don't worry. Who said that? Very good. Don't worry. <laughs> what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Do people sow and reap? Yeah, birds don't, but you do. And God takes care of the birds when they don't sow and reap. Are you not much better than they? And I believe right there, when Jesus is talking about sowing and taking thought, he mentions that exact language, quoting out of Leviticus chapter 25. He says, when you sow, don't worry. Leviticus 25. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take thought for raiment, clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink? In Leviticus 25, they were told they could not sow in the seventh year. How many knew that? 
couldn't sow in the seventh year. They couldn't plant. So they had to sow in the sixth year. Get this. They had to believe God that there would be enough for the sixth year and the seventh year and to have seed to plant in the eighth year for the ninth year. Three years in one year. And, and God told them under the law, don't worry about it, what you're sowing, because I will bless you double in the sixth year. How many knew that? And I believe Jesus is addressing that specifically here in Matthew chapter 6. He's saying, God's going to take care of you just like he did the children of Israel when they sowed in the sixth year. The seventh year was a year of rest. They weren't allowed to sow. They had to rest. Couldn't do any work. They had to rest in the seventh year. The ground needed to rest. So he's saying, don't take any thought and don't worry about it. All these things the Gentiles seek. Now, who are the Gentiles that Jesus is talking about? Yeah, heathen, people outside, get this. Really, if you read Ephesians 2, the Gentiles are people that don't have a covenant with God. Do you have a covenant with God? Stop worrying. You got a father. I'll tell you, I may not be there. And I've, I've said it like 10 weeks in a row now, Jeff. I want to believe God. The Lord is showing me the power of not worrying about anything. Why should you worry? What should you, why is your life so precious to you that you want to worry? Why should you worry? Do you believe in God? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God, Jackie? And let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Jesus. In his Father's house there are many mansions. If it weren't so, he would have told you. Now, he's going to prepare a place for you, and it's already prepared. So don't worry. Amen? In fact, in life, if we will become childlike and lay the worry down, and worry is what keeps us from believing God. What if I obey God? What if I go talk to that person? What if I give? What if I do this? What if I don't take that job because God told me not to? but that's more money. What if I obey God? What if I do what God? What if I break up with my boyfriend? What if, I, what if I obey the Lord? Why are you worried? Someone say amen. amen. Every time, I wish, I, I wish you'd shout if, if this is you, every time I've held on to my life to save it, I've lost it. How about you? Every time I've held on to my life to save it, I've lost it. How many times... Even when the Lord's, even something as small as go talk to those motorcycle guys, and I didn't do it, and I go away saying, rats, <laughs> I missed it, Lord. And he's, something even so small as that. And there's big things I've done in my life. Lord, I want to do it my way. God wants you to be carefree. Remember, remember Gordon Lightfoot, am I dating myself? We got psychologists in here, people that are trained psychologists, and they're, they, I, I respect that, right? I was talking to a person studying neurology yesterday. You know what? One of the number one neurosis in your life is worrying about everything. Yes, worried. Gossip comes from worry. Jockeying comes slam. All this worry is the root of many, many sins. God doesn't want you to worry about anything. You got a covenant. You have a father that loves you. Someone say amen. So don't take any thought. All these things do the people without a covenant 
reference Ephesians chapter 2. Write it down. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. Now, if your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things, is he going to provide for you? But seek ye first. Now he's telling you what to concern, not, not what to worry about, but now he's telling you what to concern yourself with. This is the same thing that he told the Jewish people in the Old Testament. Seek my kingdom. Obey my voice. Not just the law, Jeff. Obey my voice. He didn't just say obey the law. He said obey my commandments. Right? Keep my statutes. And he said obey my voice. That means God's talking to you. If he talked to those spiritually dead Israelis, is he talking to you? He is talking to you. I never concern myself with atheists. Oh, they're an atheist. No, they know there's a God. I know 100% every human being come in, comes into this earth knows there's a God. The Word of God says in Romans 1 that God has revealed it to them. I don't give it a thought when someone says, I don't believe in God. No, you're running from God. You're running from God. I've told the story before about Jean-Paul Sartre, the famous French existential philosopher. He was an atheist. He admits, he tells the story when he was just a young man. He knew that God was watching him, and he was doing something he shouldn't do, and he knew God was watching, and he didn't like it. He didn't want someone watching him. And he said, I just banished God from my mind from that point on. I said, God, you do not exist. That's called suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. We all do that. We all do it. Every child, when they want to do what they want to do, because we're born selfish, even those cute little babies are selfish. It's all about the baby. And it's good that it's all about the baby. Amen? Feed that baby, love that baby, cherish that baby. The more you love the baby, the better off they're going to be. But they're selfish from beginning to end. Anybody know that? They're selfish as a cat. We know how selfish they are. You grow up and you train them not to be, but until they're regenerated, that is their, that is their nature. Amen? Where was I going with that, Jeff? Every single person, amen, amen. Every single person believes in God because God has revealed himself to every person. An atheist is somebody that's suppressing the knowledge of God. I don't doubt it. I don't talk to atheists, but I know why. I've told the story about the time I ran to this guy in Starbucks. How many remember that story? He was an atheist. Anybody remember? Very shortly, uh, I'll make it short. After talking to him for a while, I kept persisting in talking. He was a little angry with me, being an atheist. Say so he didn't believe in God. What I found out was his dad was a former pastor. Remember it now? And he ran off with the secretary. At that point, he decided, I don't believe in God. Amen? You get it? He said, there can't be a God if, if that's what God is. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So what Jesus is teaching these Jewish people is if they walk in the kingdom, they walk in God's kingdom, 
and they follow his statutes and commandments and they obey his voice, they don't have to worry. In the sixth year, the seventh year, or the eighth year, if you're following God, you cannot fail. Right? Key is, the secret is to hear the Lord. Now, we hear him in his word, don't we? It's one of the number one ways that we hear from God. We spend time in his word. I hear from God constantly because I'm in his word constantly. But when you do that, you can hear his voice as well. God will start speaking and you'll hear his voice. And we obey that. When you do that, when you know you have a covenant with God, when you know you have a heavenly father, you don't have anything to worry about. Now, there's a problem with all people because we've all sinned, right? And so most people say, yeah, that's good, but I've broken the commandments. I've done wrong. I'm not a perfect person. So what am I going to do? And the Bible is full of good news about that. Amen? And I want to get into that. How does a New Testament Christian grow? Even beyond that, how does a New Testament Christian, a believer, become righteous before God? Who knows? You all should know, right? How do we become righteous before God? Okay, through Jesus. Anybody want to expound on that a little bit? It is through Jesus. You confess Jesus as Lord. Well, you get baptized because you're saved, right? It's through faith. The righteousness of God. Flip over to Romans chapter 1. I just said that in the Sermon on the Mount, which I was reading from in chapter 6, the problem isn't what Jesus was teaching. Jesus is teaching the law of God, but he's exploding it and showing you what's in the heart of it. It actually would be even more difficult to do those things that Jesus is teaching than obeying the law because he's bumping it up. And what he's really pointing to, he told them that their righteousness had to what? Exceed the righteousness of the scribes. And they had to exceed it. That's pretty tough, isn't it? He said that, you know, you guys listen to Moses. Somebody greater than Moses is standing right in front of you. But there's good news. The problem in walking in the covenant with God, the problem in getting your prayers answered, the problem of standing and not worrying before God is always a matter, Pam, of righteousness. Anybody a little tired from getting up an hour early? Do I need to shout a little bit? I'm not going to shout. Guys, the problem is always righteousness. How many of us, even this week, you've gone to pray, and as you've gone to pray, you felt some condemnation or something that you just felt like you couldn't break through in your prayer? Anybody? Dana and I are the only ones. Folks, I have a flesh, and sometimes my flesh wants to, doesn't want me to pray. Maybe you guys, your flesh is all better than mine. My flesh gets tired. I want to look at my shortcomings, look at my failure, you know, all these things. All of these things are a problem with righteousness or understanding righteousness when you try to approach God. The word says in Romans 8, there is therefore now no to those who in Christ Jesus, right? In Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. We as sons and daughters of God, should be able to walk up to God without a sense of inferiority or shame. We should be able to go to the throne of grace as kids of God 
knowing that our sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that we stand righteous before God, we should be able to go to the throne of grace and get mercy in our time of need. Bible calls, I preached on it recently, the Bible calls it a throne of grace. Amen? There's nothing that you've done. You wouldn't be here if you committed the unpardonable sin. Okay, you wouldn't even be here. You wouldn't want anything to do with God. So that's not you. Throw it out the door. There's nothing you've done that you can't get under the blood of Jesus, and he will forgive you, put it under the blood, and treat you like a son if you want to. Amen? The problem is, you know, sometimes people don't want to. They're not done with the world yet. They're not convinced yet. That the world ain't no good. Listen to this right here. Okay, so Paul was preaching in Rome. Now, is Paul preaching to Jews or Gentiles? Kind of both in Romans, honestly. There's, there's a Jewish church in Rome and there's a Gentile church. He's preaching to Jews about how God's accepted the Gentiles. But there's also a Gentile church. He's teaching them how they are righteous before God. Listen to this. Paul says in chapter 1, verse uh, 14... I am a debtor to both Gentiles, barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the good news to those of you that are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. For the good news about Christ is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For in the gospel, for therein, the righteousness of God is revealed from what? Read this, get this, get this. Revealed from what? Faith to faith. Faith. If you go before God with a sense of inferiority and condemnation, you've you're got weak faith. Your faith's weak. You're looking at yourself. You're being self-righteous. People have self-righteousness flipped around. I want to say this gently. People have self-righteousness flipped around. They think self-righteousness is when you stand boldly before God. Just the opposite. You stand boldly before God because you know Jesus is your righteousness. And your confidence is in God. That gives you boldness. When you look at yourself... Self-righteousness, you're full of shame, no faith, can't believe God, inferior, disappointed God. I'm no, I remember when I was in fifth grade, I stole that cookie. I cheated on my girlfriend in fifth grade. I robbed Stop and Go, I did. I stole cigarettes and Stop and Go, I, I did, I, I did that. I, I can't stand before God. I yelled at Pam three years ago. Whatever it is in your life could be serious things. Those condemnations will rise up condemnation people have it wrong that's called self-righteousness you're trying to approach God based on your performance everybody says it's proud if you go to God and believe God Smith Wigglesworth called the apostle of faith or the man of faith one of the boldest men that ever walked this earth and he was bold in faith because he believed God the reason an Andrew Walmack or a Smith Wigglesworth can raise the dead or do those things, is because they have faith in God. They're not looking at themselves anymore saying, do I qualify? Of course we need to live righteously. I'll get there. I want That's the whole point. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you want to do what's right. 
When you're a real believer, you want to pray, you want to give, you, know, you, you have a desire to. The fact that you have a desire to is proof that you're saved. Come on. The fact that you want to do right, the fact that you're reading your Bible, the fact that you want to grow, the fact that you want to change is proof that something's happened in you. Three years ago, you were down to honky-tonk and you didn't want to have anything to do with Christians. Amen? In fact, you stayed as far away from church as possible on Sunday. Amen? But now you're coming to church because you want to get something, you want to learn. How many in this church right now want to be more like Jesus? That's all of us. That's the Holy Ghost inside of you. Amen? So real self-righteousness is all that shame and I'm no good and God knows you're no good. God knows you're no good. He saved you when you weren't any good. The Bible says when you were yet without strength, when you had no hope, when you, Justin, when you were just a rascal and full of evil, full of no good, weren't doing anything right, Jesus looked at you and says, you are qualified to be saved. I'm going to save that guy right there. And he didn't look at me, well, you got to live like Brad Kittle or Talon DeLong. He said, brother, I'm going to save you right as you are, and I am going to make you a radical Christian. Amen? Pride goes to God in its own uncleanliness and tries to get God to accept your works, your doings, and your selfishness. God said, I'll do the thinning around here, Baba Louie. If you're over 60, you might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> if you are hungry for God and you're seeking God first, his righteousness, he's going to add that righteousness to you. He's going to add his goodness to you. He is going to change your life from the inside out. Don't resist him. Amen? Don't resist him. Say, God, take me as far as you can. We are supposed to be getting to know God snuggling. If you happen to sin... You know, in uh, 1 John, Jeff, John said, if any man sins. You notice he didn't say when. Does anybody sin this week? Well, we, we know we sin sometimes. Some of us do, right? But he didn't say when you sin. He says, if any man sins. The idea is here that you are, as a Christian, you are dead to sin. Yeah. Mike, you're no good for sin anymore. You're dead to it. When you do it, you won't enjoy it because you're dead to it. You're dead to it. You guys know when you do it, you don't enjoy it anymore. Dead to sin, alive to God. If any man sins, what do you do? Do you, do you go clean your armor up and go out and win three people to Jesus fast for a week and go see if you obeyed the law of Moses and if you helped a poor person and you helped a grandma across the street and you visit the nursing home and you sing carols at Christmas at the nursing home, then God might listen to you? At what point does your righteousness become enough where God's going to hear you? When are you going to be good enough that God's going to answer your prayers and, and listen to you? It's when you put faith in the blood of Jesus at any time and say, God, I see where I'm missing it. Lord, forgive me. You're already forgiven, but you just, God, cleanse me. Forgive me. I was wrong. That's the humility of a believer, and God goes, bang, that's why Jesus died. That's why I died. I want to forgive you. That's not an excuse to keep sinning. We don't want to sin. We get back up on our bike, and we start riding again and seeking after God. Amen? That's why one of the worst things you can do is judge, especially a baby Christian when they're stumbling around. 
to learn to walk in faith. I've been a Christian a long time now, and sometimes I'm still led by my emotions. Sometimes I still do what my emotions, rather than believe God, I still, I can get tired, I can get, you know, I'm still learning. No, I got to put my faith in the word of God, put my faith in Jesus, not me and my, I'm still learning that. The more we put our faith in Jesus, the more like Jesus we're going to be. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God. Who is that righteousness from? It's from God. It's been revealed. Now, I don't have time. I'm going to run out of time. I could read through, and maybe some this week or coming weeks, I will. But what we're going to find out is that when we put our trust in Jesus, God credits that to our account as righteousness by putting your faith in Jesus. Don't ever go to God and tell God what you've done. Don't do that. Don't do that. Go to God based on what Jesus has done for you. In Romans, just flip over to Romans 5, and I really like to read things in context more, but I, I just got to go here. The gospel's good news. Now, when this righteousness thing, this is why I'm teaching on it, we're talking about growing in the Lord. When this righteousness thing is really rooted in you and it's taken care of and you know that you stand before God righteous, I don't mean righteous in sinning. I'm not talking about willful sin. We've been through all that. Any truly saved man loves to live holy. Any truly saved man wants to live holy. But when you get that settled in your heart that God has declared you righteous and made you righteous, it is going to change how you pray to God. And when you realize that really you're a son of God or a you know, daughter of God, we're all sons of God, there's no male or female. When you realize that you're really a son of God and you're a daughter of God, you can go to God based on the word of God and you can make your petitions to God and you can know that he's heard you. You can put your full confidence in it. God's heard me. And you don't have to worry. Because no matter which way the wind blows, God is your father. You're in covenant with him. You're a son, daughter of God, and he's going to be with you. Let's read this in Romans 5. I'll start with verse 17. I could really, it's all awesome. For if by one man, Adam, offense reigned, or offense death reigned by that one man, much more... They which receive. Where's the urn in that? Where's the urn in that? It's not there, is it? Those that receive abundance of grace and the gift. Free gift, your translation says, those that receive the gift or free gift of what? righteousness it's a gift <laughs> it's a game changer all that stuff in the old testament do all this you're righteous i'm going to give it to you as a gift just going to give it to you don't that make the devil mad makes religion mad too because they work hard for it religion works hard for it makes them mad because they're working for it you're getting it free <laughs> The gift of righteousness, they shall what? Be under the devil's thumb. Be ruled by circumstances. Always be depressed. 
Always be a day late and a dollar short. Sicker than the world. Dumber than five o'clock. That's what my dad used to say. They receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall rule in life by Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says we have dominion over the powers of darkness. They don't rule over us. That's a lie. If someone's telling you they do, they're lying to you. The Bible don't say that. Not to the believer. You're righteous before God. You can stand up. You don't need Pastor Brad to do it for you. You can stand up. If you're walking in the Spirit, and I'm going to just throw one thing out there on that. We do need to walk in the Spirit, and I've preached enough on it. Simple. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of Jesus, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were what? Sinners. Many were made sinners. You were made a sinner. So by the obedience of, of one man, many shall be made righteous. Many in Adam were made sinners. Many in Jesus were made righteous. Oh, yeah, this, yeah. then that springs to Romans 8, right, Jeff? You taught me that. Yeah, therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's where the condemnation comes. It comes from judgment. Jesus took your judgment. If you want it, you don't have to follow Jesus. Amen? God wants free followers. He don't want, he don't want you in bondage. You want to follow the devil, you're allowed to. He ain't going to do anything good for you, I promise. Some of us are old enough to know. Amen? Okay. Last scripture. I'm going to hand my Bible to Charlie so I won't get it back. I'm just going to tap into this when I get done. They were told in the Old Testament to walk in the kingdom of God, obey God's rules, his laws, his statutes, listen to his voice, okay? As a Gentile, we're, we were never under the law of Moses, but we do follow Jesus, amen? He's going to teach us how to walk in the Spirit. He's going to teach us how to walk in righteousness. We're going to grow up in him. He's going to teach us how, day by day, to walk in grace. It's grace, Mike. That's the price, grace. And that's the problem. A lot of us don't want it to be grace. We want it to be something we're doing. It is grace. But man, if, if you allow your heart to be filled with grace, crazy stuff can happen. In Galatians 6, chapter 5, he says, This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of your flesh. So walking in the kingdom is concurrent or synonymous with walking in the spirit, okay? When we're born again, God has put his laws in our heart. He's put them in our mind. When we learn by faith to walk in the spirit, we'll obey God. You are supposed to be filled with joy. We're not supposed to be worried about anything. We have a heavenly father. We have a God that cares for us. And even when things are bad, and they're going real bad. We got story after story after story in the Bible 
about people like Job, what God did at the end of Job, or what God did with Daniel when he got thrown into the lion's den, or what God did with David when he was in the caves of Adullam, what any man ever did that was faithful to God, how that God never failed any human being or disappointed or let that person down. Amen? By walking in the Spirit. And you can cut to the chase on this, folks. If you walk in the love of God, and that's what walking in the Spirit, God is love. When we walk in the love of God, there's not one commandment of God you can break. I can't teach it. I've taught it many times. If you walk in love, is there anything wrong with walking in love? Gianna, is there anything wrong with walking in love? Do you know if you walk in love, you can't break one of God's commandments? Not one of them. Name one you can break. Love is basically unselfishness. Amen. So here's what I want to do. Guys, would you come up? What was that one song? Uh, was, what was the last song you sang? It's not even 12 o'clock yet. What was that song you sang? The last one? I see movement. Adam's babies are flying. <laughs> What's that? Death was arrested. That's the one. Let's, let's sing that. Let's worship. Listen, if you don't know that you've made that exchange from death to life, that you stand before God as righteous because of what Jesus did, you've never accepted the gift, the altar's open. And I want to ask this. You don't have to come to the altar. How many of you here are saved, but you've never been water baptized? You've never been baptized in water. One, two, three, four. Okay, so you're all coming next week to get baptized, right? Right? That's four. Larry, next week, fill the tub with water. Amen? No! <laughs> I froze my hiney off when we did that, bro. There's four. It's obedience to the Lord. Repent and be baptized. It's obedience to the Lord. Number two, it is showing that you're walking with God. You're making a confession of your faith and a demonstration. It's a picture of your salvation. Dead to Mike. Mike goes down, not only dead, but buried. Three days. Make sure you're good and dead. And once we know that Mike is good and dead, we'll raise up a new man, Jesus. He's the new man in you. And the rest of your life, you'll learn how to walk in Jesus. That's what baptism is a picture of. Mike's getting baptized. Eric's getting baptized. Sam's getting baptized. Oh, Kent is getting baptized. I know that. There's so many Mikes around here. Did the other two leave that hadn't been baptized? Who were the other ones? Maria's getting baptized. Gianna's getting baptized. Who else is getting baptized? Sam? Charles. Okay, good. I'm getting better. I'm, I'm two out of five today. That's up to him. It, okay, that, that's five getting baptized next week. And I have six. Okay. Now listen, this is different. If you've never given your life to the Lord, when we worship this song, I'll go stand over here. Come up and pray with me. You're going to receive a gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. We know you're a rascal. So are we. We've just been saved. We've been changed. Something happened. I wasn't trying to get saved. I was trying to chase girls when I got saved. I was. I was trying to be bad. I was trying to do everything I could to please myself and nobody else and Jesus got me he just got me and he wants to get you too and change you and change your selfishness 
make you a person that doesn't hurt people, change your heart. He will walk with you to hell and back if you'll just give him your life. Amen. So the altar's open. I'll be standing over here. Everybody stand up. We're going to worship, sing together. We'll eat afterwards. Bless the food, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you want